love, probably helpful if I turn my microphone on, if you have your Bible, I would love for you to join me in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. That's where uh, our study will come uh, from this morning, 2 Timothy and uh, chapter 3. Hey, we got up at my house this morning and the children were so excited. I mean, a snow day uh, in childhood, there's hardly anything like it. And in particular, uh, Juliana, my eight-year-old, she was super excited and uh, kept asking to, to go outside. And so we began the process of uh, getting dressed for that. And, and I was snapping pictures. And man, she was just full of life. And, and uh, we got bundled up. And uh, there's a hill not far from our house that they wanted to go uh, sledding uh, at. And so we got bundled up, got everything on, geared up. We were ready to go. And um, man, her excitement just sort of, she, it wasn't long before she was just over it, I guess is what I want to say. I mean, about 10 minutes in, uh, her sweet, excited disposition had done a 180, and she just wanted to go home. She was done. She, she kept saying, I'm hot. I didn't think I was going to be hot. She's, she's got sweat pouring down her face, and she was just over it, right? And so I want you to think about those two uh, dispositions. On the one hand, at the beginning, fired up, excited, ready to go, and, and then not that long after we were actually doing all the things that she was excited about doing, just kind of over it and ready to throw in the towel and be done. And uh, what I'm asking is, which one of those is more in line with your uh, sort of disposition this morning when I say to you, I would love for you to read the Bible regularly? Does it excite you or if you got maybe you Maybe you wouldn't even say this out loud, but you're just sort of like, ah. what, I, what I want us to do today is, is uh, talk about you reading the Bible on your own regularly, but to talk about it in a way that it goes out of the realm of, well, I know I should, and into the realm of, I really want to, and more specifically, when I do read the Bible, it's time that... It's not just well spent, but it's time that God is shaping me and changing me. I'm meeting with the living God. I'm learning who he really is. And, and it's not a checklist of I should, but it begins to be the best part of your day. A couple of weeks ago, we started here in the new year, 2022, a series just called Essentials for the, for the Coming Year. And uh, we started to talk about things that, that uh, as I've studied the Bible and as I pray for our church, just want to talk about a series of things that, that I want to use that word essential Things you're going to have to have as a regular part of your life to, um, to not just survive the days that we live, but to thrive. In other words, to, to really have the abundant life that the Lord Jesus Christ died, was buried, and was gloriously resurrected to, to give you. And one of those essentials is, uh, is making the most of Bible reading. I think a couple of weeks ago, we sort of said it this way, just suppose you're going to go on a three-day hike in the, in the mountains. You're going to go on the Appalachian Trail for three days, and you uh, start to pack up uh, what you're going to take. What would be essential to take? There's so much that you would not take with you. You'd leave it behind, and, and knowing the hike is going to be strenuous, but the views are going to be amazing as you prepare. What is it that you're going to take with you? And so that's what we're doing. We're talking about what, what is it that has got to be a part of your following Jesus. And, and one of the essentials is, is Bible reading. And I know, I know, 
at the front end, you would say, I, we, we know that. We've talked about that. We know that every Christian, in fact, if I just simply asked, what, what do you think every Christian needs to do? Most all of us would say, read the, the Bible. But then, moment comes, you sit down in your chair, and you open up, and you start to read. It's that moment that I want to talk with you about today. What is it that you should, should practically do in the moments that you do read the Bible? So you're there in 2 Timothy 3. Let's read verses 10 through 17, then we'll pray together, and then we'll, we'll start to talk about it a little bit, uh, about how to make the most or making the most of Bible reading. So 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. You, however, it's the Apostle Paul. He's, he's writing towards the end of his life to... Uh, a young man that's important to him named Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. I love how Paul can talk about uh, the things that he believes uh, shows up in the, in, in, in the way he really does live his life. Uh, my persecutions and the sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, conduct, uh, continue rather in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed out by God, or all Scripture is breathed out by God, excuse me, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, Already in those verses, you see that uh, the, the benefit, the benefit of, of purposeful, intentional, and if I can say it this way, Bible reading done well, is that you'd be competent. What Paul means when he uses that word is, is sort of ready for whatever might come. You're competent and you are equipped for every good work. So, so we're going to pray together and then uh, spend our time together this morning talking about what to actually do and how to uh, make Bible reading uh, what God really wants it to be for you in your life. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the Word of God. Thank you that the Bible is so accessible to us right now. We can open it. Most everybody, I think, that's listening to this sermon, they've, they've got not one, they've likely got multiple copies of the Bible and multiple translations and multiple means of hard copies and digital copies. And God, with so many... Wonderful things are accessible to us, but I'm asking that their ease of accessibility doesn't lead to us actually in our life not investing the time that we ought in reading and thinking and praying and soaking in the Scripture so that we can know you as you really are. Father, thank you for all the godly men and women who have gone before us, many of them who, without exaggeration, Father, gave their lives, laid their lives down so that we could have access to the Scripture. And most of all, we thank you that you have, by grace, chosen to reveal yourself to us through your word. So, so help this time to be profitable. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I think what I'm aiming for this morning is, uh, is just, just to help you develop the skill of Bible reading and Bible study. So, so again, that when you come to open up, your, uh, up, up the Word of God, the time that you're giving is uh, purposeful. Think of it maybe this way. I know it's uh, iced over right now. We wouldn't be able to do it right now as you're listening. But suppose we were going to have a free throw shooting contest here among our church family at the basketball goal uh, out, right, out, right out the exit here, right here on the, on, the, on the grounds of the church. We were going to have a free throw shooting contest. And, and you get, let's say, 10 free throws. And we measure it out, the official distance, the, the goals, that the height that it's supposed to be. And, and then you've got 10 shots. How confident would you be uh, that you could make 5 out of 10, 50%? Some of you, I've watched you play basketball. Some of you could, five is probably too low a, a, a goal, right? You could hit six or seven or eight or nine, or you might be able to go 10 out of 10. Now, some of you have the skill of free throw shooting. You know where to put your feet. You know how to get your balance. You, you've got a routine, and, and you know exactly how to shoot a basketball. I mean, sometimes if, if you're watching basketball, you can look at a guy and he's going to go to the free throw line and you're watching a game and it's professional or college and you just know, man, he knows what he's doing. Now, I can remember when I was growing up, um, was not a fan of the Duke Blue Devils, but I can remember watching the Final Four when Duke was playing UNLV and Christian Leitner late in the game stood on the free throw line to shoot free throw. I knew he was going to make him. He knew he was going to make him. The skill and the, and the confidence. Now, uh, do, do, do you have a sharpened skill, if I can ask it that way, of, of reading and studying the Bible? That's what we're aiming for. I just want to give you a few things that you can do to open up God's Word and to read and sharpen the skill. Now, if you're going to shoot a free throw, you know what the goal is, right? The goal is to get the ball through the hoop. And sometimes you can just, if you don't have the skill of free throw shooting at all, you can just kind of throw the ball, and every once in a while, it will go in. And sometimes you can open up the Bible, and without a lot of effort, God, God really will speak, because that's how powerful His Word is. But how can we sharpen it up? So it's not just a, maybe this will work, but actually this is how God works, and here's how He'll speak to me. You know what the goal of a free throw shot is? What's the goal of reading the Bible? The goal of reading the Bible is this, that you would know God for who He really is. And there's no better goal in all the world than that. It doesn't matter what you might achieve, what goal you achieve in life, nothing is greater than knowing God for who He really is. And God has chosen to reveal Himself in His Word. So, number one, I would encourage you to have a non-negotiable time and place that you read the Bible regularly. Non-negotiable. Not a, I might get around to it, but a time and a place. We, well, two weeks ago, you might remember that we saw in the life of Jesus very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he went to a desolate place and there he prayed. There he sought the Lord. 
You probably can't improve on that model to do it first thing. The, the first moments of your day shape the rest of your day. So, so uh, I would encourage you to consider the very first part of your day would be spent in the, the Word. And then a couple of things that, that are helpful is that you really have a, a plan to read the Bible so that when you get up, say it's tomorrow morning and it's not just a shot in the dark and we'll just open it and see where it goes, but you have a plan to read through the whole Bible. This is no uh, uh, new and fresh and out of nowhere idea, but maybe you'd read over the, uh, through the Bible over the course of a year. Maybe you have a one-year Bible, a couple of... Uh, um, uh, helps for me over the years is uh, D.A. Carson is as an a author. who's written a, a book entitled For the Love of God. It's two volumes. Uh, I know some of you have it because we've read through the Bible together in that way. And, and uh, he organizes Bible readings on an ongoing uh, basis that'll take you through the Bible in a year. Uh, the, the plan that I'm re- using right now is called the Discipleship Journal Bible Reading Plan. And in the morning I get up and it shows me here's what I'm going to read today. And um, so, so long story short, you're just reading all the counsel of God. There's 66 books in the Bible, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. Some are narrative, some are poetry, some are gospel, some are epistles, some are apocalyptic, some are prophecy. And they're, they're, the whole Bible is written over hundreds of years by multiple authors, all of them inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and so you want to, over time, read all of it. But remember, the goal's not to finish I read the whole Bible. The goal is to to change. So it's better that one verse be read and savored and and prayed and obeyed than than 66 books of the Bible written or read rather with no change. So one, you want to have a time and a place that's non-negotiable and a a corresponding plan. You just kind of take the guesswork out, so to speak. And and it's so important that as you come to the Word of God that you do so with a humble and teachable uh, attitude. And then when you actually jump in and, and start to read, here's some questions that you want to ask as you do study the Bible. Because again, you can read, but you also need to take time to really think, reflect. And so, so here's a, some questions to ask while you're reading the Bible. First question is the most important. What does this passage that I just read, what does it teach me about God? What does it teach me about his character? What does it teach me about his ways? What does it teach me about his, his heart? What, what does this reveal to me about who he is? That's the most important question that you can ask uh, uh, as you read the, the Bible. Remember, the Bible's not first and foremost a book about you. The Bible's actually first and foremost a book about, about God. So, so this is God's grand narrative of who he is and how he has acted in order to reconcile and restore you to himself. See, so the Bible's not, uh, the Bible's not Google, right? It's just, here's what I want to learn about, and so I'll just look it up. What does the Bible say about parenting? Or what does the Bible say about uh, uh, patience? And I'll just kind of Google it. It's not quite how the Bible works. It's a, it's a grand narrative. And the Bible's not really an encyclopedia that you just kind of look up by, by subject. And the Bible's not really a, just an owner's manual. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, I had an uh, issue with the bulb of my turn signal in my truck. And so I opened up the glove uh, box and I got out the owner's manual. Had this one problem, uh, the bulb, and it needed to be changed and I needed to, to, uh, to know how to fix it. 
Uh, and so the, the manual gave me a little bit of information, and uh, I had to ultimately go to YouTube and get a video uh, to teach me how to, to fix the bulb and pop out the headlight, and, and that didn't go well at first, by the way, but I'll save that story for, for another day. Then I had to watch a YouTube video about how to f- uh, fix a busted headlight, but, uh, uh, but, but again, the, the Bible's not just something that uh, we look up one verse to help us with a specific problem. I mean... I, I, would, um, I would be grieved if my children only came to me on those rare occasions where they have a problem that they don't quite know how to figure out. Well, my blesses me when my children come to me because they love me. And that's a better approach to the, to the Scripture. It's not just, let me solve a particular problem in this moment and then I'll ignore it. The rest, I'll just get the owner's manual out every once in a while. But look what verse 16 says, all Scripture is God scriptures breathed out by God and there's nothing more personal than than that right it doesn't just say that um, it's it's God uh, uh, God inspired or God uh, written it's God breathed and as you as you read the Bible first ask what does this passage teach me about God and then the second question to ask is what does this passage teach me about me about the human condition what does this passage teach me about the human condition? Of course, including myself, my inclinations, my preferences, my assumptions, and, and, and so on. The, the best teacher of you is not you. Now, I know we hear this all the time. It's sort of the core belief of, uh, uh, of the world is uh, just believe in yourself or follow your heart. But we actually need help from outside of ourselves. And that's what the scripture is, including that I need to be taught about me, but not by me, by my creator. So what does this passage teach me about the human condition, including myself, my, my inclinations? You know, one of the first things the Bible will teach us about ourselves is we are not inclined on our own to have a heart for God. We're not. We're not inclined on our own to want to build his kingdom. In fact, because of sin, we're inclined to want to build up our own kingdom. I'm not inclined to love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm actually inclined to love myself with all my heart, mind, and strength. My preferences are not unto holiness. My preferences are unto unrighteousness. And the Bible will help. So what does this passage teach me about God? What does this passage teach me about the human condition. And, th- and then a series of questions that I like to ask and as I s- study the, uh, a particular passage is, is this sequence. We'll do them fairly fast or fairly quickly. In this passage that I'm reading right now, is there a command to obey? Is there an example to follow or, or to not follow? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a, a warning to pay careful attention to you know is there a is there a promise to trust and then as you're reading is there a portion to to memorize or to meditate on as you read the bible and you ask those those questions and then you invest time in really thinking through those answers is so helpful and that's where bible reading and kind of goes into Bible study, and, and then Bible study, and now we're really applying what he says to my, to my life. I can't tell you the number of times I've 
for example, been studying for a sermon to preach, and I'll be in a passage, and I'll start to ask some of these questions, and the Holy Spirit will just bring up a situation when I was impatient with one of my children. When I need to go back and confess to my wife, I didn't handle that very well. Some of you probably listening have had moments where I wrote you or called you or texted you and just said, hey, I, I want to talk about this because I don't know that I handled this well and whatnot. It's, it's correction. All Scripture is God-breathed uh, and profitable for reproof for, or for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. I know I've said this before, but I say it again. If you've read the Bible regularly and, and have not been corrected by God substantially, then you're not quite reading it right. I don't know how else to say it but that, right? But he always confronts us with grace and kindness and unto Christ. Now those questions, uh, command to obey, an example to follow or not follow, a sin to avoid, a warning to pay attention to, a promise to trust, a portion to memorize or meditate on. Uh, follow that up by saying all of those things done in Christ and by grace. Because you can ask all of those things and get answers to all of those things and become a Pharisee, right? I mean, come, become somebody who's self-righteous, who, who has all the answers or uh, uh, has a lot of information. Let's look at the Bible again, what it's saying of itself. For teaching, right? But, but not just teaching, not just giving you information, but for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So we want to emphasize that all these things are done in Christ and by grace. I think it was Adrian Rogers that I heard put it this way. And it's been helpful to me over the years to think through healthy Bible study this way. So, so share it now with you. Healthy Bible study will often follow this pattern, right? So I'm going to say it and then, and then we'll talk about it just for a minute. So here's the pattern. Read it through. Think it through. Pray it in. Write it down. Live it out, pass it on. That's healthy Bible reading and healthy Bible study. So, so just to take them one at a time, you always begin by reading it through. So if, if right now, for whatever reason in your life, uh, uh, regularly reading the Bible uh, just isn't something you're doing uh, on most days, God, uh, God is a God of grace. <laughs> and, and so I would just say, just start where you are. Just start where you are. H have a non-negotiable time and place. And if you're not careful, life will give you a schedule, not you scheduling your life. Do you know what I mean? So, so you want to begin. It's, it's better that you meet with God regularly than you get those 30 extra minutes of quasi-sleep where you're kind of awake and kind of asleep. You know? <laughs> so, so a, a non-negotiable you just resolve in your soul, I will meet with God in His Word because I can't not do it. The number one reason, the number one reason that people don't regularly read the Bible is not laziness, it's self-sufficiency. You just somehow concluded in your mind, I don't really need to. And I'm here to say you do need to regularly spend time in God's Word. So you read it through. But maybe you're regularly reading the Bible, but it doesn't seem to 
to bear much in your actual life? Well, you want to take the next step. Read it through and then think it through. Those were the questions that I gave you. That is what thinking it through means. Now, I've read it. Now, what does this say about God? What does it say about me? And then all the other questions that we, that we gave. So you read it through and then you think, think it through. But then you want to take time and, and, and it just said pray it in. I don't mean pray it in as in praying that uh, to yourself, but you're praying it to God so that it sinks in. So um, here's what that might look like. Uh, suppose that just Isaiah 6, and this will make it easy because Isaiah 6 is so uh, clear about what it says about God, where, where um, of course, Isaiah writing says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high on his throne, high and lifted up. Well, if you read that passage on a, on a morning and, and you say, What does this teach me about God? It teaches me that God's alive. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The king died, but God's alive. Hey, a hundred years from now, all of us are going to be dead. A hundred years from now, every significant governing leader in the world is going to be dead. There's a hundred percent turnover in the world leadership. And there's never turnover on the one who's on the throne. He's alive. So as I've read that, and now I want to pray it. God, I praise you that you're alive and you're holy. And then you pray it over, pray over those ways that you thought it through. Maybe you read about uh, the danger of, uh, of, of anger, and then you just pray, God, help me today to be a man of self-control. So then you take what you've read and what you've thought through, and that, um, the Bible tells us that we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So you always want to take Bible reading and Bible study and combine it with praying. So I pray it in. And, and then I, I, I do want to uh, take a moment and encourage you this next uh, step to write it down. So you always want to have your Bible, but I really encourage you to get a notebook or a journal or something like that that you have with you. Uh, Adrian Rogers, I can't quote him on this, he said, uh, the weakest ink is always better than the strongest memory. So, so you begin to write down what it is that God's teaching you. Here's a, here's a helpful pattern that through the week you are in the Word, you are reading it, you're studying it, and then you start to write some things down. Then, then on Sundays, the day of rest, what, what if you started to take what you've written down and just review it? Just go over it. Oh, Tuesday morning I read this. And you don't have to write page after page after page. You might get to the point where God just begins to work in such a way that the Bible is so uh, alive to you that, that you write a lot of stuff down. But now you, that, that's just how you begin to abide in Christ is now I'm writing it down. I'm writing down what I've read. I'm writing down what I've thought through. I'm writing down what I'm praying And then if you'll record those things, man, that makes an awesome thing to pass down to the next generation. I mean, if you are a praying grandmom who reads the Bible and writes down what, she, what you read, and then you pass that down to your children, to your grandchildren, it'll become, and if God gives them the grace to see it, one of the most precious things they have in the world. Then just as importantly, live it out. Live it out. It, it'll, be, it'll be so amazing to you how much <laughs> what you read in the Bible has to do with your life, your relationships. You'll begin to see that, man, I really need help. I, I've read this. Here's an example of Joseph suffering, uh, uh, enduring and suffering or, or uh, um, uh, uh, Peter being bold in his witness, and, and then you, as you 
seek to live it out, you say, man, I, I need God's help. So you've read it through, you've thought it through, you've prayed it in, you write it down, you live it out, and then you, and then you pass it on. Um, we don't have much wise counsel to offer anybody if we're not regularly in the Word. So I want to say it both ways. Number, number one, you can be a, a trusted counselor if you're spending time in the Word. And then on the flip side, I'd be very cautious on whose counsel I accepted if it's not evident that they've been in the Word. So again, read it through, think it through, pray it in, write it down, live it out, pass it on. I think the best uh, time to spend is time that you spend reading the Bible, even more or especially more than uh, that you spend reading uh, people who are writing things about what they read in the Bible. So always spend time first and foremost in his word. But then there are helpful uh, supplements. Uh, and, and again, we're so blessed the day that we live in uh, to have devotions and uh, uh, things of those natures to, to supplement Bible reading. Uh, and so again, you don't have to do it this way, but one way that, uh, I, uh, or the way that I uh, uh, spend my time in the Word is having spent some time in the Word, doing the things that we said, then I've got a couple of supplemental devotions that I just commend to you that I've found helpful. One's morning and evening. Uh, that's a devotion by Charles Spurgeon. Uh, the copy that I have has been updated by Alistair Begg, and uh, morning and evening has uh, readings, as you might, as you might assume, um, readings for the morning and in the evening. And so in my time, I don't do it every day, uh, but often in the morning, first thing, and the last thing at night. Um, uh, something I realized I was doing uh, that was not really helpful is I, was, I realized I was spending some of my first morning moments and my last evening moments on my phone. Maybe you do that. And uh, it's just not the most helpful thing to do for the sake of your soul. Uh, so you might be like me. I, I learned uh, uh, for a season and probably honestly need to get back to it is I just leave my phone uh, far away from my bed so I don't have, grab it first thing in the morning and, and don't have it last thing at night, but rather uh, putting my mind on things above prayerfully throughout the whole day, but especially first and last. And all that because Charles Spurgeon, that devotion is kind of geared to that. Something you can read right as you're getting up and then as you're going to bed. And then two others quickly, uh, New Morning Mercies, uh, Paul Tripp. Paul Tripp is, uh, well, Charles Spurgeon's from 100 plus years ago. Paul Tripp's writing right now. He's just really helpful to me, though, the way that he um, explains things. So he's got a daily devotion called New Morning Mercies. And then another one that I really love is Unlocking the Bible, and that's by a pastor named uh, Colin Smith. Those are the ones that I find uh, really helpful. You, you likely know of some others, um, and uh, uh, just want to mention those uh, briefly. Well, let's close by coming right back here to 2 uh, Timothy three sixteen and 17. Let's use the Word of God to help us understand what time spent reading the Word of God uh, will do. So, uh, again, in verse 10, you, remember Paul's writing to Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life. Now, quick question. Pa Paul's talking to Timothy about how Timothy has, is coming behind him, and as Timothy comes behind him, uh, he's following his teaching. I thought about this since it just snowed, and uh, when, when the snow is fresh, you can see uh, people's footprints. And by, the, by this time of day, as it is right now, it's kind of got all mashed together or whatnot, but... If someone were to follow the direction you're going in life right now, 
would it take them to Jesus? Would it take them to good things? Would it take them to godly things? Paul's saying, you're following my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. That's where Timothy met Paul which persecutions I endured. In fact, what we can see from the Scripture is that one of the things that drew Timothy to to God is observing how Paul endured his own sufferings and hardships. Um, So let me pause and say, um, part of regularly spending time in God's Word is is you're uh, sort of uh, building a reservoir of resources that you'll be able to draw from when not if, but when you face tremendous suffering. So, so, you, so you don't know when that's going to happen, and this is not a scare tactic, but it just means that life's going to be hard. In 2022, some of us are going to face things that we did not know that 2022 was going to bring. So you want to have a reservoir of things you know about God things you know about his character, things you know about his heart, and when suffering comes, things you know about yourself, that he's God, you're not. And and you don't want to be found wanting on that day. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Hey, you're you're going to live in a world of deception, You're going to live in a world where, according to verse 14, things are going from bad to worse. How how are you going to not be deceived unless you know the truth? And how are you going to know the truth unless you regularly spend time in the Word? So he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So let me give an appeal to, uh, to families, especially families who've got young children. They can be acquainted, according to the, what we just read, they can be acquainted with the Scriptures from an early age. Don't wait to start. Start immediately. The way I've uh, thought of it, and man, we're rolling back into this, um, is uh, I'd sometimes be holding my, my child, rocking them to sleep. Julie mostly rocked them to sleep, but sometimes I would, and... and uh, would just read the scripture, speak the scripture, and pray over them. And this little thought would enter my mind when they're nine months old, a year old, 18 months old. They're never going to remember this. But then I just sort of began to think of it this way. Instead of thinking they'll never remember this, wouldn't it be better if they never remembered a time that we didn't do this? Wouldn't it be better to, to say, for as long as I can remember My parents have prayed for me. My dad read me the scripture so that I'm acquainted with the sacred writings from childhood. In the the same way, as uh, one more encouragement uh, of the little years, because I know they can be exhausting. uh, And sometimes they say, man, are they even listening? Right? You read the Bible and they're climbing on your shoulders. And uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are listening. And, and every child is being discipled by somebody unto something. Your aim in life, if it's Christ, point your children to Jesus from the get-go. Because what else but the Scriptures can make them wise unto salvation? 
Um, you, you, if you're not careful, the children will grow up and they'll be knowledgeable about all sorts of unrighteousness, but not wise for salvation. When that salvation, look what it says, comes through faith in Christ Jesus. So real quick, verse 16, all scripture, all scripture, gospel of John, song of Solomon, Psalms, first and second, King, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training. So real quick, those four things, all Scripture, when you spend time in the Word, you're going to be taught, you're going to be reproved, you're going to be corrected, and you're going to be trained. That's what the Bible says of itself. So you're going to be taught. You're going to, be, you're going to learn some things that if you didn't read the Bible, you wouldn't have known otherwise. You're going to be reproved. You're going to be corrected. Just take those two words real quick. Reprove is a strong, urgent appeal. It's, it's uh, what, what any parent would do whose child is about to run into the road onto oncoming traffic. You wouldn't wait around. You wouldn't say, well, we'll talk about it. No, you stand up, you scream, you shout, you run there yourself, grab them, and you reprove. Don't ever do that. You'll destroy yourself if you do that. That's reproof. And then there's correction, and that's uh, got the connotation of kind of coming along somebody putting your arm around and, and that kind of encouragement. It's, it's, it's uh, not that urgent reproof, but it's coming alongside and saying, hey, you need to know about this. Any parent does that who loves their child will do, you know, the combination of the two. And then training, training in righteousness. Uh, tra- training implies something that's, that's ongoing, that's, that's regular. So training in righteousness. All Scripture is profitable for those things. And what I want to conclude is telling you, nothing else does those things. Nothing else teaches you what you really need to know. Nothing else reproves you in the way that you need to be reproved. Nothing else corrects you in the way that you need to be corrected. Nothing else trains you to be competent, equipped for every good work except for the Word of God. Competent and equipped, verse 17. That's the aim. That's the goal. Now, I know we started out by saying you regularly read the Bible, and the goal is that you know God. That's number one, of course. But the goal of reading the Bible is that you'd be competent and equipped. So, in conclusion, you can't read the Bible regularly And instead of being competent and equipped for every good work, you turn into a Pharisee who's not really competent and certainly not equipped for any good work. So, the key is always Jesus, right? He is the Word become flesh who's dwelt among us. So, last encouragement about regularly reading the Bible is as you read it, always also ask this. What does this passage I just read um, have to do with Christ and Him crucified? Some of it will be promises that He will be. Others will be descriptions of Him being crucified. And others will be an encouragement to you of what has been accomplished now that He has been crucified. Now, we're going to close in prayer. In fact, I'm going to close the the service here in, in a moment in prayer. But one more time. I'm going to say here's an approach to healthy Bible reading. And as I say the uh, steps, so to speak, I want you to ask where you would do well to, to begin. So here's healthy Bible reading. Number one, you read it through. 
Are you regularly in his word? Number two, you think it through. Are you taking a step from, yes, I'm reading, but now I'm interacting with the scripture. Now, I'm, uh, if you walk up to a well, it doesn't matter, you know, how satisfying the water is if you don't actually put your bucket in and draw it, right? So now I'm going to think it through. And, and next, I'm going to pray it in. And take time. I've read it. Now I'm going to ask God to help me in the ways that he's correcting me, training me, teaching me. And then you can write it down. Do you have a place where you're keeping a regular record of what you are learning about in God's word? It's so important. You know, when I was younger, I, had a, I just remembered things so much better than I do now. And now I'm learning more and more. And I'm going to write it down. And then I'm going to live it out. Not just the information I'm accumulating. It is making me competent and equipped. And then I'm going to pass it on. Well, I hope that's a help to, to know not just I should read the Bible, but what am I to do as I read the Bible? Lord willing, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about some more essentials for the coming year. Essentials of how to, how to follow and mature in, how to follow Christ and mature in Christ likeness. Hey, let's pray together before we conclude the service this morning. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you again for the privilege, the opportunity. God, I'm asking by your Holy Spirit that you would increase our uh, desire to to read the Word of God and and increase our understanding of what is to be gained uh, as we do so. Um, help us to be people who are not shallow or uh, inconsistent in our time spent in the Word, but you're growing us unto being deep and mature believers who have a reservoir for whatever might come in the days ahead because we have learned about who you really are because of how you've revealed yourself in your Word. Thank you for my church family. And pray you would bless us with a hunger and thirst to know you through Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen.